0: This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. It's up for the end zone. zone. Arizona has scored the touchdown. Wildcats win. Let's go to work, Cat. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And Shane, we don't have anything to talk about. Uh, Wait, it's, yeah, we always do. It's Wildcat Country. But there are no coaches that have been fired, no coaches that have left. No Arizona sports team still playing.
1: Well, you just jinxed it, Eric, because right after I I upload this to Apple, there's going to be one coach that's out, or there's going to be a scandal or something.
0: Well, last week on the show, Uh uh, I was whining about there being no transfer uh, news for Arizona men's basketball and then look what happened there were two commits so we're going to talk about that and we're going to have the professor as I like to call him Matt Moreno from Rivals.com going to join us with a wealth of info uh, on football basketball and probably more than that so Shane let's get right into it it is buy or sell Presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. If you're looking for a great Father's Day gift, go to IceShaker.com and use promo code Wildcat Country capital W, capital C, to get $5 off your Ice Shaker. Okay, Shane, let's get right to it. I know that uh, I've been dogged on Twitter for this, and deservedly so. Last week on the show, I was complaining about Tommy Lloyd. Uh, number one, buy or sell with the two commits that's uh, Cedric Henderson from Campbell and Courtney Ramey from Texas maybe Tommy Lloyd does know what he's doing after all in the transfer portal by yourself. I'll
1: buy that, that he knows what he's doing. And I figured he'd land a couple eventually uh, talking. You know, we talk about uh, getting criticized on Twitter. I I was a little underwhelmed by the the duo that, that he signed since then I feel a little bit better, but I got a lot of heat for, for that, which is not the first time. It won't be the last, uh, but no, I think he, he knows what he's doing. I, I think that. And, and maybe I need to remember this as well. Sometimes it's not about uh, you know, what is it? The old, um, the old saying, you know, you don't want the, you know, I want the best players, I want the right players, you know, and, and these are two good players. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you look at their their numbers don't jump out, don't don't jump out at you. uh Courtney Ramey, in particular, I mean, I, I he a good player, did, did great with Shaka Smart. I know in, in, in Texas yeah. when he was there, career forty yeah. percent shooter overall, decent three point shooter. So, but you know, you talk about the defense and the leadership. I do like that they added some some guys who have some, some, NCAA, or at least with, uh, with Ramey tournament experience. So I, overall, it was good. I, I think, I, do I think they're going to be as, I, I think anyone expecting them to be as good as they were last season is, isn't for disappointment with that said, I, you know, I said unequivocally last year at this time that UCLA was going to want to run away with a pac 12 yep. and look what happened. So right. you never know, certainly feel better about it now. Um, I think he's, Tommy Lloyd's done as good a job as possible replacing some guys So I think, yeah, are very are tough to replace with just with their unique skill sets. Christian Coloco with his defense and Dalen and Terry is one of the top blue guys, as we like to say. Uh, and then of course Ben Matherin, who is a you know probably top star, NBA yeah, draft pick star. Yeah. 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 So uh, I, I think he's done okay. Uh, I think he's leaned heavily on the international guys, which I'm fine with as long as they come through and, and, and they have to a large extent, but you know, you lose three of uh, you know, the top three or maybe three of the top four guys from last season from a, a team that uh, was one of the best in the country throughout the year. It, it's tough to replace them uh, in the transfer portal and, and just through international recruiting. But again, just because some of these guys don't jump out on paper as much, or at least personally as much as I would like, doesn't mean they're not good fits for Arizona.
0: No, and I agree. And I, I think it's nice that he rounded out the roster. With that said, um, I am still going to stand by what I said last week. I am still somewhat questioning Tommy Lloyd's transfer portal skills in looking at the, I, I know we, we are having Matt from rivals.com, but 24 seven sports does a transfer portal rankings. Uh, Cedric Henderson was unranked in the top hundred. Courtney Ramey was 54th. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not inspire confidence after you lose your three best players. So uh, I'm may, may going I, to go ahead. Yeah. Eric, finish your thought, I, I, right? I, this is a minor sell, but it's yeah. a sell nonetheless. So, I'm going to
1: offer this that I feel like because you know, we we had a couple of guests on in the know who said that, you know, if if Dale and Terry, if it wasn't for the NIL, Dale and Terry probably would have declared, declared, declared for the draft a long time ago and and not just kept one foot back at, back in Tucson. I think that might have actually hurt Arizona because I think that a lot of the possible transfers who might have looked at Arizona without Dale and Terry being there a couple of months ago might've, in other words, they might've gotten a better transfer or two, or at least one better transfer sure. earlier in the, in the process if they knew Dale and Terry was gone. Yeah. Uh, the fact that, that, I agree with that. That, yeah. that he was maybe considering the NIL money because you know, we learned that in NIL, you know, he could have gotten as much on NIL as he would have as a, as a second round draft pick, uh, but that eventually I think he was convinced, okay, I'm going to be a first round pick. And I, yeah. for his sake, I hope he is. Sure. And I think that actually inadvertently, hurt Arizona, him, him, you know, weighing his options for as
0: long as he did. Okay, number two, buy or sell. Uh, Arizona is a top 25 lock, Shane, if not higher, after filling out its roster, likely done uh, with uh, Cedric Henderson and Courtney Raymond.
1: Got to sell that one, Eric. I I think maybe they are a top 25 team, but when you lose – you know, four, it was an eight-man roster. They lost four of those guys. And, again, arguably the top three. I would say two, three of the top four, certainly with Azulis Tubellis in the mix. I know we're all still mad at him because of what happened in the NCAA tournament. Uh, or what didn't happen in the NCAA tournament, but he was obviously one of their top guys last season. So you, you lose uh, three or top four guys, three starters, and then Justin Kyer, of course, who was a, a great uh, uh, you know, leader off the bench senior it's tough to replace those guys, uh, you know, even with some of the best transfers. And, you know, they had a couple of okay transfers, a couple of international guys who you never know if they're going to adjust the college game. And if so, how quickly? And of course, that's true for high school guys as well. Sure. But a lock now, I I think they probably are a top 25 team, but a lock. I can't put a lock on it. No. Okay,
0: fair. I think they're a top 25 lock to start the year. Okay. Uh, are they a top 25 lock as far as going to stay there the whole year? Mm, I can't say that, but I think they are they will be probably in the teens uh, in the late teens is where I expect to see Arizona in uh, mid, you know, in in the early preseason polls. Now I think uh, our buddy Aaron Torres had them like right around 10 ish. I don't think after losing your three best guys that you can stay in the top 15. He had, he had him in
1: the top 10 even after Dylan Terry. Like? I
0: think he did. I, okay. I'd have to double check that. You got to have him on and talk about it. Yeah, well, I mean, he's always he's always down to come yeah. on and He's and, an, opti- and he's an Arizona, Arizona optimist. He is. Yeah, he and is. He's defended
1: he, he defended Arizona throughout the whole FBI investigation. So, Sean Miller, Miller. likes him.
0: <laughs> yes, Sean Miller does like him. Yes. All right, number three, uh, it's not fair, Shane, to expect Arizona to be a sweet 16 caliber team every season by yourself. I'm going to sell it. They should be
1: a sweet 16 caliber team every season with the pedigree of the, of this program, the history, the guys they have with Tommy. And now with Tommy Lloyd having proven himself as, as a good coach. And obviously you did it with some of Sean Miller's guys, but they went from unranked to the national number two team, Arizona. And, and we talked about this. Who was we were talking about this with I think Travis Graf a few weeks ago Yeah. that, you know, there, you have these tiers in college basketball, you know, and I think the top tier, you have four teams, you have Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke in whatever order you want to put them. Uh, And I would have put Villanova up there as well, except Jay Wright's gone. And then you have that second tier of teams that I think at least have the perception that they're a Final Four caliber team more often than not, even though Arizona hasn't been in a long time. I think Arizona is still perception-wise in that, that second tier. And I don't think that's – and maybe that would have changed if time Lloyd had struggled in this first year, but he didn't. They, they were great. They were a fun team to watch. They had a lot of exposure on national television. I know they fizzled out in the NCAA tournament, but they weren't the only great team to do that. Every A lot of teams do every single year. Gonzaga lost the same night that Arizona did. So I think that they should be a, a Sweet 16 caliber team. I mean, things happen in the NCAA tournament. Lute Olson lost – as a, you know, with Arizona as a three seed and a two seed in consecutive years in the first round. Okay, so that happens. And they won the whole thing as a four seed. But in terms of being a team that, okay, they should at least get to Sweet 16 and contend for the final four. More often than not, I think they should. Maybe in today's college basketball landscape, it's a little unrealistic to do what Lewin Olson did because he had them in that category every single year. But I think I would say two out of every three years, at least Arizona should be in that discussion.
0: Okay, you know what? I respect that. Uh, I'll stand by that. And you, I was gonna say no at first. I was gonna say sell. I convinced you. You did convince me. Yeah, Arizona should be a top sixteen team in the country with Tommy Lloyd, considering uh, what he did in his first year, his Gonzaga pedigree. Yeah, I, I'm buying that. Good call. I was you. You actually swayed me there. So yeah. uh, I was gonna sell. Um, all right, we're gonna switch from basketball. We're gonna talk to Matt Moreno more about these new commits and their impact uh, on the team. So the PAC 12 announced in softball that they're going to do a single elimination uh, tournament uh, for the postseason, And it's going to be played next year. The first one's going to be played at Hill and brand stadium. Yeah. Uh, Do you, uh, are you buying or selling the fact that this tournament is a single elimination, that it's a good idea?
1: I, I guess I could buy or sell it in that. I don't, I don't think it's necessary to have one of these. I don't think it's necessary in baseball either. I think it's fine, but there's just so many games already that do, do you really need need a few more at the end of the season? Um, I guess if you're going to have a tournament, I would rather it be double elimination because. So many wacky things can happen in softball. You know, you can it, softball and college baseball, for that matter. It's there it are sports where you can lose a series two out of three, and your ranking don't, might only drop a couple spots because it's one series. Okay, it's not like in football where if you lose one game, it could alter your whole season. Right. So that's why they have the double elimination typically in you know, in regionals and in the college world series because. You know, anything can happen in one game. It's not fair to judge a baseball or softball team on one game. So you give them a second chance. So I think if you're going to have a tournament, yeah, I would buy that they should, it should be double elimination, but I'm also not sold on the idea that you really need this tournament in the first place, but it is very cool that it's in Tucson.
0: Yes. I agree that it's in Tucson. It's cool. that It's in Tucson. I'm selling the crap out of this one, Shane, uh, first of all, I don't, I agree that you don't really need one. The Pac-12 is already a dominant conference. Doesn't I don't know if maybe you're trying to sneak another team in that maybe wasn't that good. But in softball, the haves definitely outweigh the have-nots in most cases. Uh, there are, with the rare exception of the Arizonas, who were not very good, and then they, they make it to, uh, o- or to Oklahoma City. It happens, but I don't think it's necessary, number one. And number two, the one thing that's great about baseball and softball in, in the tournament in general is double elimination. To have a single elimination tournament is just plain stupid. It's not football. It's not basketball. It's absolutely ridiculous. I am selling the crap out of this one. I hate it. Uh, okay. So how do you uh, really feel about it? How do I really feel? Okay. <laughs> uh, bonus question. So today, Shane, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, Arizona added a transfer running back that our friend John Wall Street, Corey Leff, um, had hinted at on Twitter. DJ Williams comes from Florida State via Auburn. Uh, he is uh, he's a little guy. Uh, I think he's like what five, eight, five, nine. I mean, he's he's on his third school. Uh, I, I think Arizona's running back room is, is already too deep. Uh, is this really a necessary pickup for Jed Fish at this point in time? I'll it, sell that it was necessary,
1: but but I, I do. I, I don't mind the addition. I mean, certainly, I think, you know, their top priority is still offensive line, but if they're not going to get a guy who they think is going to be a bona fide starter on the offensive line uh, in time for this coming season, then I, I don't really think it's that big a deal. Um, you know, maybe he's... Maybe this guy's a J.J. Taylor type, you know, a guy who can... Who's a speedy guy who just... you can Because I, I like that they have a bunch of different types of, of tailbacks on this roster, and I think that he'll be, he'll be in the mix, although I think it might be tough for him to get on the field much... Even even ahead of the, t- the two freshmen they have coming in. Uh,
0: yeah, and so- that's where I have the problem with it, Shane. Yeah. You have a, a loaded running back room. I mean, we, I can't even name all the guys offhand, but with just look at Speedy Luke, Jonah Coleman, Stevie Rocker, Michael Wiley, uh, uh, Drake Anderson. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm missing – like, how many more running backs do you need? Yeah. I I. It's like wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running back. You, you just don't need any more of those.
1: Well, I was a little surprised by DJ Williams' decision as well, just because it's. Right. like I, I'm sure he went wanted to go to a school because he went from came from Florida State, where he could actually get some playing time. Then why right. would you pick Arizona, which is is loaded at that position now? Obviously, no idea. He he, he got sold the idea he's going to be able to see the field, but that's, I mean, maybe he thinks he will. Maybe that's the intention, but that's no guarantee. So. It was a a bold move, but then again, maybe Arizona was his only real option. So I don't really know. With that said, I hope he does great things and and where you know he he goes out and and makes some big plays and you know scores three times against ASU and all that good stuff. But well, boy, uh, I love I love a, that last part. Yeah, bit of a head scratcher though. I, I agree, yeah.
0: but I, I don't mind the move. But yeah, I was surprised by it. Yeah, a a very strange move as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk to Matt Moreno about that. I want to thank our friends at Ice Shaker for sponsoring By Yourself. And now it's time for the professor, Matt Moreno, here on Wildcat Country. Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, They are a sponsor uh, courtesy of our buddy, Chris Gronkowski. Uh, You have it right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact, when I I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, Everybody when we were training together, people thought I was I was the other Gronk brother. So it was kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It's very good. I use it every day. I am a I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Krakowski here. Use coupon code Wildcat Country at ice shaker.com. All right everyone. Class is in session. The professor, Matt Moreno, who is also the, I, I believe he's still the senior editor of GoEasyCats.com, but he also does Pac-12. He's like the, the Pac-12 recruiting guru for for rivals. Uh, joins us here in Wildcat Country, our most uh, uh, frequent guest. So welcome back, gotta Matt. Glad to have you. Professor, yes. Yeah, professor. Uh, my first question is, so do you miss Kevin someone who never really had much <laughs> recruiting going on in the summertime? And now with Jet Fish, you have to work a lot harder because of all these commits?
2: Uh. I miss having some time off. Uh, so maybe I miss Kevin some a little bit. No, I, I like That's Kevin Sumlin. I thought he was fun to cover, but uh, yeah, recruiting has definitely changed uh, over these last couple of years. It's uh, kind of are kind of still filling it all out and yeah. seeing where it goes. But June is, is the action month. It seems, I mean, it has been the last two years now. And um, I knew that I had a feeling, you know, obviously this is when everyone pretty much across the country is loading up on official visits is during June. Technically recruits can start taking official visits in April but most schools don't, uh, you know, bother doing that. UCLA was one school that opted to uh, have a bunch of official visits in May. Actually, worked out for them. They got a couple uh, big time commitments in May, or in, are in a good position with some other guys because I think they were, you know, saying, "Hey, let's jump the gun and let's see, you know, if they, we can get them out and get them committed before they even take other trips." And so, I think you're going to see a lot more programs try and do that next year and, and try and have that same idea because. The one thing that I've noticed, and it's different than years before, and I think it's only going to get worse until we figure out what happens with the transfer portal and how it all settles in. But recruits are scared, I mean, they're afraid they're going to lose their spot, and so they don't want to wait and you know lose out on a chance to go to a school that they really want to go to. So, uh, a lot of them are committing. Um, you know, a lot of them are taking one official visit and saying, That's it, it's all I needed to see. I'm ready to go, I'm ready to commit, and we'll kind of figure it out from there. Maybe I'll take some other visits, maybe I won't. But, um, you know, talking to a lot of recruits, they said that transfer portal is really making things different and so um, you know obviously Arizona this week picked up another transfer a really late one Um, recruits are worried about space and you know you can't really blame them because uh, there are space limitations as much as uh, you know the NCAA is going to allow schools to go over 25 uh, signees in the next two recruiting cycles there is still you know space limitations and a lot of those spots are going to end up going to transfers. so um, I think everything is being sped up once again which is what the NCAA didn't want Um, but we're going to have to, you know, assess things and see where it goes from here. So we'll see. I mean, I know there's you know, been talk of potentially having just maybe two times of the year when transfers are allowed to happen. And then, you know, every other time of the year, they're not allowed to happen. You can't just transfer whenever. Um, so we'll kind of see what, what happens and how it goes, but, um, that's kind of been the theme of, of the first, you know, six months or so, uh, I guess five months, five and a half months, but, um, recruits are just saying, I don't, I don't think I can wait. I, I, I would probably like to, I'd like to see teams play this season and see how they look, but I don't think my spot's going to be there, you know, if I wait until November. So, um, I think you're seeing that with Arizona's class. I think you're seeing that, you know, all across the country that recruits are a little, little hesitant to, to decide to wait. So, um, and I can't blame them, like I said, so that's kind of been the crux of everything, but you know, for Arizona, they load up and get 12 commitments, you know, before the middle of June. So, um, we'll kind of see where it goes from here, but you know, a lot of positive things for Arizona. Yeah, Matt, if we if we spent time breaking down
1: each uh, commit, we'd be out here for like two or three hours. So let, let I want to mention one in particular, though, because outside of uh, Brayman Dorman, great four-star quarterback who committed early to Arizona, looks like maybe their best commit for 2023, other than him to this point, is uh, Carter
2: Stoutmeyer. He's a three-star cornerback out of Texas. What can you tell us about him? Um, he has connections to Dwayne Walker. His dad is Omar Stoutmeyer, played in the NFL. Um, as I was doing some research on him, I said, I think – because I knew his dad is Omar, I said, let me go through his kind of bio and see where he played, and then I said, let me—I think Dwayne Walker might have coached him. So I looked it up and I said, I think their times overlap, and, and I had it wrong. I thought he coached him in Washington, which he did, but Carter, when I talked to him, said he actually coached him with the Giants as well, and so they spent a lot of time together, and so um, there was that connection there, and so it was—it was, I think, a cool moment for father and son to, you know, have one be, you know, coached by Dwayne Walker in the NFL and have another having an opportunity to play for him in college, and I think that mattered. Um, I think that was a big part of this process. And, um, you know, Carter, I think, really just liked Dwayne Walker. I think outside of that whole connection, I think he just really enjoyed, you know, getting to know Dwayne Walker. And so he's going to come in as maybe a little bit smaller corner than what they're used to and what they've been really trying to go after. But um, you have to like the pedigree. Uh, the bloodlines are, are strong. Anytime you can have the son of an NFL player, especially one that played in the league for a long time, uh, that's positive. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting class for sure. I think some of the guys that they've taken so far, I don't know that they would have taken last year. Um, I think this is a different situation where they're starting to kind of build out the roster and they can, you know, take a chance on some guys that need to develop a little bit. Um, last year it was about like, they need to make a splash. They need to find, uh, you know, guys that can plug holes right away and can come in and start, and you can, you know, give that opportunity to those players. And you say, we need players who can, you know, come in and play and start making an immediate impact. I think you started to kind of fill up some of those holes if you're Arizona. So I think you can take a chance on some guys. Um, there are some, you know, very talented prospects, but I think what all this also tells me seeing that they've taken so many early commitments is that it's going to be another really big class. Um, maybe the biggest we've seen at Arizona, just because like I mentioned, the NCAA is removing those 25 man limit that, you know, teams are typically um, have to stay under or stay within because, you know, just recruiting rules. So because of the transfer portal and because of COVID and everything that went on, um, you know, the NCAA is saying, we're going to take away that 25 man limit. As long as you have room on your 85 man roster sign as many as you want. So you can sign 60 recruits if you want, if you have the room for them. And so I think that's kind of, that's based on who Arizona has taken so far and taking commitments from, because, you know, a lot of these guys, not a lot of them, but some of them are, are Arizona's their biggest offer in um, Arizona. I think quite frankly, could have waited a little bit longer and said, Oh, we'll take them later. But um, I know Arizona likes all of them um, would have really taken them at any time. But um, to me, I think, that tells me that it's going to be a pretty big class. And so I think that's one thing to expect is that this is only a portion of the group. You know, most of those commitments came on the first, you know, official visit weekend. Uh, There's been a few, you know, cactus gifts that have gone out since the second weekend or over the second weekend. Um, The third weekend is probably going to be the biggest. And, you know, then it's after that, it's trying to get some guys on campus during the season and all that. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, every week they're kind of taking a step forward in terms of the talent on campus. There's a lot of talent on campus, you know, this last weekend. And so, um, I think you're going to see this class continue to, you know, right now it's kind of more about quantity. Um, there's only, I think 10 programs that have more commitments in Arizona at this point, maybe even nine or eight, uh, at this point. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of recruits in this class. And so that's kind of shifting the rankings a little bit. They do have a top 25 class right now, which, you know, that's quality as well. But I think we're going to start to see things and go, okay, that's a real, like Arizona class. That's something that they've built on because of last year. Uh, because of the last cycle, I think you're going to start to see those start to pop up here you know, over the next couple of weeks and then into August and, you know, as they get closer to the season. But um, I like the group so far. I think there's, you know, a couple hidden gems, a couple guys that I think can make an impact, you know, pretty early on. Um, but overall, I, I really like kind of what they've done the last couple of weeks. And um, you mentioned Carter Stoutmeyer. I think Arian Parrish is another, you know, talented player, um, another DB from Texas. Uh, Chuck Cecil really targeted him, um, you know, at Katy High School in the Houston area. Um, I think he's very talented as well, and I think he's someone who can you know, contribute at that safety spot pretty early on in his career. You mentioned, Matt, the recent transfer that our, our
1: guy, uh, Corey Leff, a.k.a. John Wall Street, uh, sort of broke uh, last weekend. Uh, tell us about D.J. Williams, running back transfer uh, from Auburn and more recently Florida State. What should Wildcat fans know about him? And are you kind of surprised that he'd want to join such a,
2: in my opinion, a very talented uh, running back room going into next season? I think so, but I think he was battling for time at Florida state and it wasn't, you know, necessarily looking like he was going to get a huge opportunity to be, you know, the main guy at Florida state. So if you're a graduate transfer and you have another opportunity to transfer again, uh, which because of the rules, if you graduate, you have a chance to, you know, transfer a second time and so be immediately eligible. So at that point, it's just about finding the right spot. And for Arizona, I think, you know, this is the way I've been explaining it. Cause I've had a lot of those calls today and I've heard a lot of, got a lot of messages about that. Um, why would they take someone like this? Why would they, that's not what they need at this point, but for anybody who covered the team or spent any amount of you know time around the team during the season and even spring ball, the one thing that Jed Fish didn't want to have is a lack of scoring, and he wants to score touchdowns, he wants to score points. So if they are going to you know err on the side of you know going too heavy out of position, it's going to be offensively, in my opinion, because um, you know Jed Fish is the head coach, but he's also the, the play caller and you know the offensive mind behind everything, and um, you just don't want to be in that position. You want to be able. You want to be the one who's leading the team and, um, you know, offensively, they just, they, they really struggled. And so I think it's not a huge shock to see them add an offensive player. I think everyone was thinking offensive lineman for a while now. Um, but it also has to be the right fit. And, you know, at this point, you're talking about mid June, most guys kind of have, you know, they made their decisions. There's not a lot out there. And so, um, you know, DJ Williams, he's uh, the nephew of Edgar and James. So he has, you know, strong bloodlines as well. Um, you know, was a, a highly a pretty highly touted recruit coming out of high school like you mentioned, went to Auburn, um, actually was pretty productive there. Uh, you know, wasn't the top guy, but was pretty productive. Um, you know, I think he just had difficulties at Florida State trying to kind of, you know, find his way. Um, I think he's going to have a great opportunity at Arizona. I, I do think he's going to be in line to be, you know, one of the top two backs at this point. I just think that the, the staff wouldn't bring him on unless he's going to be you know, a big part of things. And I don't think he would join the team unless he's going to be a big part of things. And, you know, one thing that, you know, talking to a lot of players and a lot of recruits that, that they've mentioned about this coaching staff, at least at this point in the year, is they feel that they're being genuine and they, they appreciate, you know, the coaching staff being up front. And, you know, if you guys have had a chance to talk to Scotty Graham or listen to him, I mean, he's, he's upfront about things. And so I think, you know, with someone like DJ Williams, you, I think it's clear of what his role is going to be. And so, um, you know, I think he's going to really, you know, factor into things at the running back position. It's a large group. But I also think there's so much you know, versatility within that group that you're going to see other guys, you're going to see guys do other things within the offense, not just running the ball. And so quite frankly, Arizona needed someone that they could give the ball to every down and you know, they've had some health issues back there. And I think they just want to have somebody who's, they can turn to and be, you know, who's consistent. And so I think that they believe they found that with DJ Williams um, and we'll see what happens, but it is definitely an interesting uh, group. There's a lot of, a lot of players there. Um, we'll see if it kind of survives through camp and if everybody stays intact, but Um, you know, I I don't think at this point in the year, if you're not going to find, you know, an impact offensive line, because it doesn't help Arizona at this point, just to add depth at offensive line. I mean, they need someone who can play. And if you can't find that, then you need to find someone at another position who can play because that's kind of where they're at. They just need to start racking up some wins. Um, and they need someone who can contribute right now, not, not a project. And so, um, you know, they went after a few offensive linemen didn't really you know work out for them, but, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it was about, can you get someone who can help you win games? And I think they believe, you know, they believe they found that with D.J. Williams.
0: All right. So about the offensive lineman, first of all. So they've got these 12 commits for 2023, and I don't see an offensive lineman's name on that list. Do you expect there to be an influx of linemen with the next wave of commits?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really where, you know, the targets have been for most of the time. Uh, Rhino is actually an offensive lineman. I know he's listed as a defensive line, but he plays offensive line. He's, he's going to come in as an offensive tackle. Um, so he's, and I really like him. I think he's very much underrated. Um, I think maybe not a lot of coaches have had a chance to see him as much, or maybe they just you know, are missing on the evaluations. Maybe I'm missing on the evaluation, but I'm really impressed by him. I, I saw him earlier in the spring. He held his own against, you know, a lot of the top defensive linemen, um, you know, at a camp in the spring. And, and so I really like what he brings to the table. I think he's exactly what Arizona needs. Um, I think he can help right away, but he's also something that I think could be developed a little bit and become a really strong offensive lineman for this team. So um, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're in a good spot with him, but Caleb Lomu is the one that I'm really interested to see what happens. He just picked up an offer from USC, uh, last week, he visited USC and UCLA and then took an official visit to Arizona. He's from Highland High School in Gilbert. Um, he's made no secret that Arizona is his top school. Um, and he's been very clear about that. Now that was before the USC offer came into play. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that transpires and what happens there. And, how they go about that because now he's on the radar and, you know, he's going to be someone that USC wants and that, that could be difficult. Um, But I think if you can get him, that's going to put you in a really strong position. And then, you know, you have some other guys that are going to be, you know, visiting or guys that um, you know, that are in the mix that I think Arizona is going to really have a run on offensive line. And I think, you know, soon, soon soon-ish, I think you'll start to see some of those guys, um, you know, start to to pop up as commitments for Arizona. Um, I think, you know, maybe not necessarily, this week or next week, but I think as the summer kind of gets closer to ending, I think in the season gets you know closer. I think you'll start to see some offensive linemen start to pick some schools and, and pick Arizona. Um, but, uh, you know, that's definitely one of those positions that the, that the staff has really focused on that and defensive line. I know they've really tried to attack the defensive line. Um, you know, I've been able to address that quite a bit already in this class. They have some big visitors coming in this weekend um, that could address that. And so. Um, you know, Kelsey Howard is someone that visited in the first week and was kind of the marquee name, one of the marquee names that first weekend. He really, really likes Arizona. Uh, took an official visit out to Oregon State, really liked Oregon State, so it could be a battle for him. But, um, you know, I, I think he really, you know, has liked a lot about what he's seen from Arizona. Um, so I think there's some names that are going to pop up that at least Arizona is very, you know, sitting in a very good spot with that I think you know, could eventually pick Arizona down
0: the road. Boy, that's exciting. Boy, it's just great talking about awesome recruiting news for once. We went years without talking about anything that was really positive let's be honest uh all right so we've got an issue here on the football team and 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 it's it's a good problem to have but there are five quarterbacks in that quarterback room matt who can play or expect to play at some point how many of them will be on the roster come the san diego state game and which ones do you not think will be there
2: I mean, I think the same two that everybody thinks won't be there. (laughs) I mean, there's three that really have a, to me, really have a shot at winning the starting job or at least having a chance to play at some point. Um, Jordan McLeod has the experience. Uh, Noah Fafita has the fresh arm and the excitement and the production during spring ball. And Jaden Delora is the proven guy. Um, I mean, to me, I just, I don't think, and I I was talking to someone else about this today earlier. I just don't think Arizona goes and brings in Jaden Delora If he's not going to be playing, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just don't think that's, it's just, I I don't expect that to happen. I think he's going to be out there starting game one, but, um, as I mentioned before on this show, even going back to last year, I think Noah Fita is going to find his way onto the field in some capacity. Um, you know, he has four games he can use if he wants to use his red shirt, Arizona under Jeff fish, hasn't really necessarily worried about that too much. They kind of just play guys, however they feel. And we'll worry about the red shirt situation later. Um, I think he gets on the field. Jordan McCloud is the interesting one. Um, you know, when he was out there, he looked you know pretty sharp, you know, when last season, when he was able to kind of get things rolling and then ran into the injuries. So, um, you know, he does have the experience on his side that, that could be, you know, something that helps him. And, and, you know, that could be a key for Arizona if they want to move, move this thing forward. But I just come back to, I don't think you bring in Jaden Delora, who was the PAC 12 freshman of the year mm-hmm. and one of the top producing quarterbacks in the league to have him sit behind a true freshman or have him sit behind a guy who was injured last year. I just don't think that's the case. And maybe we'll be, maybe I'll be wrong, but um, I just, I just don't see that happening. And, and, you know, that leaves Will Plummer and, and Gunnar Cruz to figure out what they want to do. I'm surprised a little bit that both of them decided to stay. Um, obviously if you're transferring now, you're talking about next year because you can't really do anything at this point. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I, it's too tough to say. I don't like to get into those discussions too much because I'm not in those rooms with them. I'm not discussing those things with them and their families, but, um, you know, it feels like those are the two guys that, you know, are going to be on the outside looking in. And so we'll see what happens. But you don't like to wildly speculate. That's no fun, man. <laughs> All right, let's, let's pivot to basketball because, uh,
1: uh, you know, of course, as soon as Eric and I uh, got our podcast done last week, uh, right afterwards, Arizona gets a couple of transfers finally and putting Eric's mind at ease a little bit with um, Courtney Ramey out of Texas Cedric, and uh, Cedric Henderson out of Campbell. Just a quick overview. How do you think each guy uh, factors in? to the team next season and is either likely to be uh, to make their way into the starting lineup in your opinion.
2: Absolutely. I think, I think both have a very good chance to be in the starting lineup. I mean, to me, you look at them and you go, one is to replace Dale and Terry and one is to replace Ben. I mean, to me, that seems very obvious. Um, I think that was the clear goal was to find, you know, guys to replace those two. Obviously you found some bigs. Um, Henry Visar is obviously coming in is going to provide some depth up front. Um, but You know, I think with Courtney Ramey, I think he's probably the more intriguing of the two. I really like what Cedric Henderson brings to the table. I think he kind of got a raw deal when he committed. And a lot of Arizona fans were like, who's this guy? We've never even heard of Campbell. Their mascot is the Camels, uh, that type of deal. And uh, without actually looking at his game and looking, you know, at what he's done, and he's a really impressive player. Um, I think he's going to, you know, provide some some depth, but I I think he has a chance to, you know, push for some starting time and, you know, be a factor for this team. I don't think he would have, you know, came to Arizona if not. Um, but Courtney Ramey is the interesting one because he really was, you know, really strong and, um, you know, had a really good start to his career at Texas and then kind of fluttered a little bit, um, you know, with the coaching change. But I'm really intrigued by him. I think he has a lot of talent. I think he has the capability to really be, um, you know, a true starter on this team and someone who can make an impact. And I think that's a big part of why he picked Arizona is because I think he feels like, you know, he can fill a role similar to Ben or, you know, some someone on this team who's able to, you know, really make a strong impact. And, I you know Texas tech really wanted him, And, um, you know, uh, you know, there's different, uh, different schools involved, uh, not Texas tech tech, tech was Senator Anderson, West Virginia really wanted Courtney Ramey and really right. pushed and right. thought they had him at one point. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's another program that, you know, could really use him, but, you know, he decides to go with Arizona. And I think, you know, the appeal of playing for Tommy Lloyd and playing in the system and, and being able to kind of replicate some of the things they did last year was really appealing. Um, but I really like his game. I think he fits in well with what they want to do and, we'll kind of see how this team comes together. I mean, the one thing, and I've been telling people this, I was able to watch KJ Lewis last week at the Pangos All-American camp, um, you know, which kind of brings the the top collection of talent together. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I was like, wow, this guy is really, really good. And I don't think even Arizona fans give him enough credit for how good he is. I mean, I did not think that he was necessarily a one and done type of player. Um, Now I'm I'm almost sure of it because I mean, I just think he has so much talent. Um, He really had that on display. Uh, he's really coming into his own as a player. And, and it's going to be, I think, difficult to keep him in school because I think he's going to hear you know, a lot of those, those that conversation because I think he is going to be very, very good at Arizona. So um, you know, I know a lot of the, the concern is about the here and now and what are they going to do in this upcoming season. But when I look to 2023, when you look at, you know, they're very, very much in play with KJ Evans, uh, Kwame Evans, who's the number five recruit in the country right now, a five-star talent, a six-foot-nine forward who could do a lot of different things probably taking the lead at this point over Oregon. You're talking about three top 25 recruits and maybe potentially two five-star recruits in that group. And um, that that's something that I think should really excite Arizona fans. Yes, it's all about the here and now. You want them to make, you know, Final Four right now, but the future is really, really bright. And I think I got reassured of that, you know, watching K.J. Lewis the other day.
1: Last question for you, Matt. I asked uh, Bruce Pasco this question last week, and I'll ask you, of the returning players for Arizona men's hoops next season, who do you think is poised to make the biggest leap forward?
2: I think the easy kind of cop-out answer is is Adama Ball. Yeah. Um, I really like his game. I, he didn't live up. I tweeted it out. He didn't live up to my tweet. He, he didn't let me seem like a guru then. Uh, I said I thought he was going to have a really impact play in the NCAA tournament. I thought he just felt like the type of player who's going to step up in a big moment and then you go, okay, this is the springboard to you know next season and, and him really taking over. Um, I really do think he has that type of talent. I think he has that capability of being someone who could really be a star for this team. Um, You know, Just watching him play in the little spurts that we did, he's really talented. And I think he fits what they want to do. And and so I think he's someone that I think, and it's tough to say because we didn't get to see him a ton, to say that he's going to make a huge jump. But I think he will. I think he'll at least, in production, in terms of production, I think he will have a big jump. And I think he's going to be a big part of what they want to do.
0: All right, Professor, last question. Uh, Thank you, as always, for joining Shane and I. You know I had to put you on the spot at one point. So, which is more likely on paper to you to to happen this next school year? Arizona football to make a bowl game or Arizona men's basketball to make the Elite Eight? Which is more likely?
2: The Elite Eight. I think football is still a year away. Really? Uh, Yeah. I I think they've done a good job of of plugging some holes, but I think of – you know, T-Mac as a sophomore, I think that's where you start to see the, the star to really shine. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these guys, you know, once they get, you know, some more time in the system, you know, Jonah Coleman gets another year. I think there's so much young talent at the positions that are key, that I think it's going to take some time. I do think there's going to be progress, no doubt. Um, I would be pretty shocked if there isn't progress. If there isn't progress, there's going to have some problems because now it's, we're getting to a point where recruiting wise, recruits are no longer going to be able to be sold on the vision and the future and, you know, promises of what's to come, they're going to want to start to see, you know, real wins and production and, um, you know, things getting done on the field. So we're getting to that point where there needs to be some steps forward, but not quite there yet. But I think for Arizona, um, you know, I think it's, it's still a year away from really, you know, taking that next step. And I really like this basketball team. I think it's going to be underrated again. I think people will not, you know, believe that they're capable of doing a lot of good things, but um, it'll definitely be different. But I, I do think that they have a chance. I mean, a slim chance. I'm not saying either one is great this right. year. Right, sure. Um, I think probably Sweet 16 is probably the, the, the cap for the basketball team. I think if you can get to the Sweet 16, I think you feel very fulfilled by this season because it's just a different team than last year. I just, yeah. it's not as talented right now. Um, but, you know, they surprised us last season, so we'll see what happens. But I, I think that would probably be more likely than you know the football team winning six games. I just, I think they're still a year away. I think there's going to be progress, like I said, but still think they're a year away from really making that
0: big jump. Well, Matt, we always appreciate having you on the show. Class is now dismissed. Thanks for joining us again on Wildcat Country. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. My head is still unpacking from all the info that we learned from Matt Moreno. Uh, he's encouraged you know, about the, the basketball commit, so that's nice to, to hear, Shane. I, I know the one thing that I took away was the last question, obviously. We're both surprised by that. Yeah, that he believes that Arizona has a better chance to get to the Elite Eight than the Wildcats football team does of making the uh, of making a bowl game. I'm just really shocked by that.
1: Yeah, well, and we talked about this, Eric. I, I don't think they're they're going to get to a bowl game this year. Um, partly because, like Matt said, they're still a very young team, and sure. because, like we talked about as well, their schedule is is, is it's brutal. It, it's tougher than it was last year but I do think that they probably have a better chance of winning six games in football than they have of getting to the elite eight in men's basketball. With that said, the NCAA tournament is such a crap shoot that if you just get in and get hot, you never know. So if the question is, you know, like, you know, will Arizona be one of the top eight teams next season in men's basketball? Maybe that's a different question, but you know, and like, like I said, you know, in 90, was it 92 and 93, Arizona was a three seed, a two seed they lost in the first round each time. Right. You never know. Later, they win the whole thing as a four seed. So you get in, you get hot, and and you know an eight seed or nine seed Arizona team could go further in the tournament than the the top seeded cast did the last season. So you just never
0: well, know and you look at it, Shane. I mean, look at look at St. Peter's makes an elite eight. So you, right. you never know. But okay, or UCLA so the year
1: before that and gets gets the final four is what a, a twelve seed. Yeah,
0: you? I mean something like that. Yeah. The playing game. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So wanna wanna congratulate our fans. Uh, really cool to see. Um, I believe it was it. Softball is number one in the Pac-12 in attendance. Women's basketball, men's basketball, both number one in the conference in attendance. And baseball is number two. I mean, yeah. that is incredibly impressive. I had no, I would not have guessed that. I mean, with no. men's
1: and women's basketball and women's basketball, that's great. We're seeing that following now because I remember back when I covered the team for the Daily Wildcat back in oh uh, three oh four. They were a top twenty five team, but they got maybe three or four thousand fans a game, right? And so what Adia Barnes is doing and turning out fans has been massive. I think they're certainly their NCAA tournament uh, run last year and their WNIT run several years right. before that, which I really think created did a great job creating that sense of community between fans and the team. I think that was a big deal. Uh, softball and baseball. I, I'm, I guess I'm surprised partly not because you know the fans are passionate. I, we know that, you know, Tucson is very much a college town, one of the best college towns in the country, which I'm, I say with a, a heavy bias, but just the heat that you get later in the season, you would think would right. keep, keep some fans away, you know, whereas in a lot of other PAC 12, uh, Schools where they're located, it's really nice in in April and May, and not so much uh, well, in in Tucson.
0: And not only that, though, Shane. I mean, baseball and softball. For what we had seen in previous years, the regular seasons were not to that caliber. Let's yeah. be honest. So th- for th- them th- to do that well, yeah. you know, yeah, that's pretty impressive.
1: I'm thinking on baseball and softball too. You have a lot of regulars, a lot of people who yeah. you know have the season tickets, and they're going to come regardless. You know, people who have you know been fans, been you know been going to games religiously for 20 or 30 years. So I think that helps is that even in, in poor seasons or poorer, you know, relative to how they usually go. I think that's probably why you don't see a, a, a big fluctuation or a big downturn in fan
0: yeah. support. But Shane, you saw the, the conference uh, had two teams in baseball, for example, that were in the top five and Arizona. outdrew drew one of them. I mean, think yeah. about that. That's, yeah. that's really impressive. Uh, all right. Uh, before we go uh, on this uh, show, we got to make picks for something. It's the college world series. Um, it's been absolute carnage for the top teams, but somehow there are four seated teams left, uh, Stanford, the two seed; AM, the five seed; Texas, nine Auburn, 14 Shane, give me your championship series pick of the two teams. And then who is going to win it all? Uh, you know,
1: I, I, I'm going to stick as far as winning it all. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I'm going to go with the really? team that, that knocked off Tennessee. Yeah. The team that beat the best. Um, uh, I think back to when Arizona won it all in, uh, in 2012, I don't, I don't believe Arizona was seeded that year I think mm. that they, they won on the road and won a regional and someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I, I think that they, they sort of, right. they ran the yeah. table and I think that Notre Dame maybe does it this year. So, um, I don't remember exactly what the brackets are. So as far as picking the, the, uh, which, which teams are going to meet in the championship game, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I kind of like Notre Dame to keep the momentum going.
0: All right, so bracket one, AM, Texas, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. That's it. I mean, Notre you talk Dame. about, as far as rivalry goes, if you're a Texas fan, Oklahoma and a in there and, and Notre they, Dame. Well, I mean, and they met in the softball. You know,
1: Oklahoma and Texas met in softball. Right. I,
0: I mean, crazy. And then in bracket two is Stanford, Auburn, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, who, have, as we might remember, knocked out uh, Arizona with two with two losses. And then yeah. they shut out for two games Southern Miss, who beat Jay Johnson's LSU team. I'm going to go with Stanford to win it all. I know I'm tasting the chalk here. Uh, I just think Stanford is the best team left. And I'm going back uh, and I'm backing the pack and I'm going to say they beat Oklahoma. I don't know. Oklahoma's had a, had a heck of a run. Uh, you know, softball, they had one of the all time great softball teams this year at uh, back to back champions. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to make it to the baseball finals and lose to Stanford in three games. So it's going to be an exciting college world series no more.
1: Let me take this little sideways real quick, Eric. Are, are yeah. you a, really a back the pack guy cuz I I feel like a lot you're supposed to I mean other than your rival you're supposed to back the conference if you're not yeah. your team's on it. I've never really felt that way. It's like I I want to you know, I focus on you know, on my Wildcats beating these teams all year and then all of a sudden I'm supposed to flip the switch and and root for them?
0: When it comes to a sport like baseball, softball, women's basketball where maybe I'm not as passionate or on top of things as I would be for football and men's basketball, I am fully a back-the-pack as long as it's not ASU person. That's fair. As far That's as it, when it comes to basketball and football, I, it depends how Arizona did against that particular team. Yeah. Like, with, like UCLA, for example, this year. I mean, it was hard to want to see UCLA do well because of their rivalry with Arizona in basketball. In football, I was like, sure, great. Let anybody other than ASU do great in the pack. You know, I'm-
1: yeah, I'm I'm not a big back to pack guy. A couple of exceptions. I was glad to see the Pac-12 do as well as it did in the NCAA tournament a yeah. year ago, uh, because you get you know just that exposure. You know, maybe the Pac-12 will eventually get back to close to where it was back in back in the uh, in the 90s and the 80s. Uh, and then I also enjoyed watching Oregon State win the College World Series a few years back, just because yeah. I feel like they're they're the ugly stepchild to Oregon these days with all sure. the Nike money Oregon gets. So I kind of like yeah. to see Oregon State. Uh, win something with that said most of the time no i don't root for the pack 12 schools like utah i wanted to see utah losing the rose bowl because you know what my team has never won the rose bowl never even gotten there so i don't want to see any other school uh pack 12 school win and i am that petty and i am not ashamed to say it i was rooting wow. against utah in the pack
0: i'm i'm shocked shane i, well, I never thought i would hear that from you i just want to say this though arizona baseball swept stanford um in in march at home and now stanford they got hot and now they are among the favorites to win the national they're probably the favorite right now to win the national championship think about that so you know what i'm all about stanford right now let's go let's go cardinal uh thanks to matt moreno for joining us once again uh always a great source of information uh for Dale, i'm eric cohen thanks for listening and as always bear down